Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field. If you've been listening to this podcast or are new to it, I thank you very much. I would also appreciate if you took a moment to follow it on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Today's guest is illustrator Natalia Salvador. Natalia hails from Granada, Spain. She was flown to Los Angeles last year as an Illustrators of the Future winner, published in Volume 38, where she illustrated two of the stories, one winner and one published finalist. Since returning to Spain, she has published at least one book that she illustrated, George Leaves the Lights On. This podcast is dedicated to aspiring artists in the hopes of providing some useful tips on creating a career as an artist. Welcome, Natalia. Hello, John. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. This is a podcast I've really been looking forward to. I was, I was quite upset that I missed you when you were here last April because I really wanted to talk to you. Um, you're one of the nicest people I've met, and um, I loved your art. I especially loved the piece that you did for the Tutsu Kaspa Surmas. I loved your animals. We were talking about that. You've got an amazing talent for uh, illustrating animals. So we're definitely going to be getting into that. Thank so, you. first question: How long have you been? Il- how long have you been creating art, illustrating? Well, I've been drawing since before I can remember. In fact, one of my first memories is me drawing with my sister, and we had a shoebox filled with pencils. So, but I think I never really thought about it. I just kept going. Right. So it's just been something that's been part of your makeup since since yeah. uh, you said hi to mama when you were born. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what kinds of art do you prefer to create? To create? Mm, yeah, I like to create images that tell a story, mostly with characters. It's, it's what I find easier to do. Right. So now you've got an amazing ability to illustrate animals and they're just, they're so realistic. Like, how is it that you came to do animals? Because I've seen people do really well with structure, with things, with people, but not so much with animals. I mean, um, we've had some of our judges, one sp- particular, Larry Elmore is amazing with his animals that he does, uh, his dragons, but his people, just, he does really good. He's really amazing on detail. And of course, Ciarello is amazing with his, with his uh, dragons, but how do you, what makes that shine out for you? Well, to be honest, that came as a surprise to me <laughs> that <laughs> throwing animals was, I don't know. The Tutu Kasva Suremase piece was the first one I made with so many animals in it. Uh-huh. Uh, before that, I just tried to paint like a couple of dragons and some horses, sometimes a dog. And it was something daunting to me. But I think my love for nature and animals in general, and the fact that I look at a lot of references when creating an illustration helps a lot. I get it. So now the references, are these pictures or are they other illustrations from artists or you just go out into the park and look? Sorry, (laughs) a bit of everything really. Um, I don't really copy a single picture or a single drawing from someone else. I just make so much so yeah. I can create my own Frankenstein. <laughs> These are hardly Frankensteins. Um, <laughs> so now as an, as an artist or as an illustrator, are you, were you self-taught or did you go to school or was it a combination? How, how did this evolve to the quality of illustration that you do? It, it came mostly from a lot of practice, but yeah, I went to college for fine arts. Uh-huh. And I also did a master's degree on drawing, but they weren't focused on illustration really. So that part, the how to illustrate a book, and how to tell a story, and that kind of thing is self-taught. I get it. So now, on in terms of you know being self-taught, did you go out to other? like the environment, go out to forests and parks is like your environment that you grew up in that, that encouraged your art. What was it about it that, cause I'm, I'm trying to relate your story for other people who are aspiring artists 
so they can see, wow, she did it. I could do that too. So that's how I'm kind of like trying to make this, this interview go so that people who are, you know, aspiring want to be, but they've convinced themselves that they can't or shouldn't, or they're not good enough. You know, so I want inspiration from your story to help them to continue going on. So what was it about your childhood or the environment that encouraged you? Well, I think it, it, had, it was very important that my mother nurtured our imagination. She read a lot and she gave us books. She was the one who gave me The Hobbit when I was nine and Lord of the Rings when I was 11. So, and well, and many other books, really. Sure. Um, and that and some of the books she gave me were illustrated. So that encouraged me to keep on drawing. And right. I like to draw one, what was in my mind. Now, for myself, when I draw, I can't even draw a good stick person. I get confused. What is this? <laughs> you know, so... It's just, I'm so not that as, as an artist or an illustrator. So is there something that you have found like throughout school? Like, were you always in school? Or were you like writing in the textbooks or writing on notepads, doodling all the time or drawing characters? Yeah, I used to sit at the, at the back of the, of the classroom if I could and draw on my, on my notebooks a lot. But at the same time, that was my way of paying attention. So it paid well in the end. So when you were when you were in school, then so there wasn't any particular emphasis on art. It was just something that you made you made sure to take advantage of every opportunity you could to do art. Yeah, I didn't take any extracurricular classes or anything. Just the basic ones that sometimes you get at school. So it was me just doodling all day that brought me to well not to this day but at least to fine arts i get it so then at what point did you go from doodling was it like when you finished was it called high school in spain is that what it is or secondary yeah. school or what, what's it called between school and, and college oh uh, we have high school and that then i i had already decided that i wanted to go to college for finance or not really decided but i didn't really think much about it i it just what it was my path and i took those two years before college there was like like a specific course like you can go to science or to languages but there was an art specific uh, curriculum for that so I took that that one I get and did you go to school in Spain or did you go someplace else oh in Spain only in, okay. in my home city I get it okay so now when you studied your art how did that go what type of a, a path was it was it a general thing or did you automatically zero in on doing illustration how, how did it go for you on on your studies um it what they talk and and especially well in the the course before college it was very general just like trying to learn art history and some drawing a bit of painting and that but then when I got to college I discovered that many people didn't like illustration that they didn't consider it really an art so I was a bit frustrated with it because that's why I love art, because I saw a lot of pictures in books when I was a little girl, and I wanted to do that. And I saw artists who are famous today who uh, illustrated books too, such as Pre-Raphaelites or before that. So, yeah, in the end, what I got from schools and college is the techniques and my knowledge of art history but illustration doesn't really come from there right now did you one of the things that illustrators the future is based on and its roots are in the um pulp fiction the golden age of science fiction in that whole time period where you had the magazines where you had illustration happening on the 
on the stories and the covers. Sometimes it's just the uh, the covers are are very full of color, and then the illustrations are usually pencil or charcoal. They were black and white inside the magazines because they couldn't print color on the pulpwood paper. So, did that influence you at all? Well, when you, I were you started, familiar with those? Were you familiar with those those that art period? And not until I got to college because I did some research on illustration and some papers on that. Uh-huh. And then, well, I, I already knew about Fratzet and or yeah. the big names, but right. I didn't really get to know the all the, that world because uh-huh. it's a whole world until I got to college. But uh, yeah, I think so because at least. I consider Frank Fassetta to be a big influence, even if my art doesn't reflect it. Well, that's totally fine. He was a major influence on so many people. Did you have you seen that video we have on our YouTube channel, Writers to Future YouTube channel? We have an eight-minute interview with Frank Frazetta. It's actually the only video, like a quality video of him that exists that's on the internet. It's amazing. Isn't is it the one that we saw at the gala? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you did. Yeah, so that was, um, you know, that's that's just been viewed tens of thousands of times. It, it's such a popular yeah. one. It's amazing. Um, so now on your um, illustration, what kinds of art do you prefer? Because when I look at the, the book you just that you just sent me and I just went through and read, it's all black and white inside. So I'm not, I wasn't sure if this was all done charcoal or pencil. You know how you actually did this? It's uh, everything I did for the book is digital, but I try to give it a traditional look because of uh, when the author contacted me, she wanted something inspired by the golden age of illustration and that kind of of styles. So, yeah, I thought it would be appropriate to emulate a bit of like pencils and inks. That's amazing because I look at this and I go, I honestly think that it's you, you're doing pencils <laughs> and inks. So, so that's something that you can do then with obviously with Photoshop. Uh, I used uh, Procreate with an iPad for these ones. Okay. Do you mostly now use that form of creation to create your art, or do you do you still use uh, like pencils and charcoal and oils and? Uh, yeah, I like to to draw with pencil inks and watercolor, but that's mostly for personal work. And I haven't had much time lately to it. So yeah, mostly digital for, at least for professional gigs. I get it. So now when you do your art, so let's just go in that, that area because like you, you imply that you're very busy with, um, I'm assuming with a lot of art projects that you have. How has that grown for you? How, is, how does that go? Is it word of mouth or do you have an agent or what is it that, that happens that, you've, that you're creating so much art? Well, I try to look for opportunities. When I see job postings, I reply to them. I write to our directors. I also have uh, profiles in places like Ritzy and Hire an Illustrator. I also scan platforms like Upwork sometimes. Although it's hard to find good offers there most of the time. But yeah, I try to spread my nets. So Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that's important that some people will, will even think that, like, you're so good to, to someone else who's an artist. How does one get themselves known? So let's just talk about that a bit more because I think that's going to be a very big point of interest for another aspiring artist. How do I get myself known out there so it's important that people look and just see what kind of art you do and you've got your your website that nataliasalvador.es mm-hmm. i guess that's for espana yes <laughs> okay so nataliasalvador.es and we'll we'll go over it again with, at the end of this uh interview but how is it that you make yourself known you know because that's an important thing if you're going to get yourself a career then people have to know you and there's a lot of of um, potential jobs out there, but there's also a ton of, of artists. So what have you done and how have you persisted? Oh, well, to be honest, this is the hardest part for me to market myself. It's 
because I'm an introvert and I'm very shy, so I don't like to sound like I'm selling something. Right. But yeah, you have to do that and you have to get past your fears and insecurities and uh, stop thinking that people may be annoyed because you're contacting them or anything. So you have to find, you, ha you have to know where you want to work and your that what kind of clients you're looking for and then you can find where they are for example if you want to work in publishing then you go find publishing houses try to find the contacts for their art directors and you send them your portfolio if you want to to work with self-publishing authors for example you need to market yourself in platforms like i said like hire an illustrator or ritzy or maybe Reddit is a, also a good place to find uh, offers from from private people. I mean, things won't come to you. You have to keep moving and keep talking to people and telling them you're you're an illustrator, and that's how things come in the end. You may be planting seeds for the future, even if today you don't get anything. Right. So now, like, for example, this book that you just sent me, George Leaves the Lights On. So how did uh, Barbara Genovese, is it Genovese or Genovese? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. So how did Barbara uh, reach out to you and, and find you? How that, how that connection happen? I think it was through Hire an Illustrator that she found me. She, she was contacting several illustrators and interviewing them because she liked their art. And... I think she stuck with me because she asked for references and it was about the time when I was working on the pieces for the Writers of the Future, vol volume 38. And since she asked for references, I talked to Meliva and Echo and they both agreed to talk to her and about how I was doing and how I worked. And apparently, it, it, they provided good feedback because yeah, I ended up getting the job. That's good. So now, how many books have you actually illustrated? Was this your first one? Because I thought I saw another one on your website. Mm, yeah, no, I've made a couple covers, but like with interiors and working so closely with the author, it's been the first one. I get it. So on, um, you said you've got a lot... You're, you're very busy, so you're not able to do your personal work. So you're busy with what other types of, of jobs do you have now? Well, I'm, uh, I've been working on the Letters from the Fairies project, which is a subscription with fairy illustrations and, well, and, and letters written by each one of them. Um, and right now I'm very busy because I'm attending the Bologna Children's Book Fair in March. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's like the biggest in the world. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of work to do besides just organizing the, the trip. I have to create a, a database of, uh, of the editors that go there. I have to create uh, like portfolios and merchandising to bring. And yeah, in the end, I spend a lot of time doing admin work over illustration. Yeah. But you're going to go there then. So you don't have a table or booth. You're going to go there, a stand. You're going to go there to, to meet um, yeah. to network art directors to or different publishers and show your stuff. And here's my portfolio. Now, one of the things that I know is, was gone over at the workshop, and we'll start moving in this direction, I think when you came out last April for the Illustrators of the Future workshop, one of the things that was gone over was portfolios. What did you learn there on that and the importance of having a proper portfolio for the specific editor that you're trying or the, the specific art director you're trying to approach? Well, I, how would I say it? It's important to, to have art in your portfolio that is specific for the kind of work you're looking for. Art directors like to see what they are looking for, not, not that you know how to draw everything. If they're looking for children illustration, 
they need to see children illustration in your portfolio. They need to see children, different kinds of people, uh, some animals and that kind of stuff. If you show them an editorial piece that is very abstract and conceptual, that's not gonna get you anything with them. So, and the other way around too. So. I get it. So that's, I think that's something that's really important too, because, and I don't, I don't want to uh, have people think that it, that it's not, because I've heard other of the judges uh, when they when they were talking to the to the classes, uh, talking about like the need to have the portfolio for the art director you're looking for, and you need to actually do your own homework to see what do they use, what do they like, you know. And I've had different famous artists say, you know, I've come in and I'm showing them all this stuff. Here's great this. And they say, okay, I'm not looking for that. And that's the end of the interview. So do you have multiple portfolios yourself? Do you have more mm -hmm. than one? No, not really. Because my artists. Children. Very, very not cohesive. I do different topics, but I guess you can see there, all of it is not by the same, per same person and it's all character driven and with storytelling. So, no, I, I separate uh, black and white from color. That's the mm -hmm. biggest difference I make right now. Okay. And then at the workshop itself, uh, when you came out last year, if you can like describe what it was like when you from the point when you got the phone call from Joni saying you're a winner to making it out to Los Angeles and then the, the week-long workshop and the awards event. We're now almost a year later, a little bit like, what do you remember? What was it like? Well, when I received Joni's call, <laughs> I, I didn't expect it at all. I, In fact, I thought it was my sister who was living in the United States uh, at, the, at that time. And when I got answered the phone and, she, and I heard the voice saying, hello, Natalia, you won. I won what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Who are you? <laughs> so it was, I, I don't know, I, I just couldn't believe it at first that it was me. I, and it took some time to, to really believe it, it wasn't mm -hmm. a mistake, <laughs> to be honest. And... But yeah, it was really nice and she was really kind and told me that if I ever needed tra a translator or some help with a language at all, that she would help me. Um, and I just kept, was very silent during that call because I was just too amazed. <laughs> mm -hmm. And just when I got to Hollywood, I just couldn't believe it. And it was a marvelous experience that I, I don't think I will ever forget it. And also, not only because the workshops were great and I got to meet Larry Elmore, which was a dream of mine. Yeah. <laughs> that, but sometimes being an illustrator can be a bit lonely and mm -hmm. meeting people who are like you and have very similar interests to you is really nice. What can I say about the gala? <laughs> It was like, I felt like a movie star. Yeah. So during the um, workshop itself, you were, all the illustrators were given a, a book called Art containing several essays uh, written by Mr. Hubbard on the subject of art. And so what piece or pieces of advice did you find most helpful for you, and especially having already gone through college, you know, his, his, material on art is based upon years of experience, you know, it's like, you know, and working out like what really, you know, depth and quality of communication and like what for you was the most impactful from Mr. Hubbard's uh, writings? Well, the, the book is filled with interesting uh, concepts. So it was hard to, to pick something, but the, when he explains about not giving more importance to technical rendition over communication, it's very good and very well explained. It helps against perfectionism, which mm -hmm. is a good thing. 
and the essay about on artistic presentation that really resonated with me. And I, I have written a, a quote from the book because I, I really like it. Is It says, so don't buy the easy way, buy only the effective way. If some of its points can then be made easy, good. If not, do it the hard way. And because nowadays we want everything so fast, so easy, but art is not like that. Art mm -hmm. requires effort, practice, and time. Related to this, I think that's why many artists struggle with social media because it goes so fast that we can't really keep the pace. Right. Yeah, and being, you know, an introvert or being quiet and not feeling, you know, don't want to push yourself on somebody, like you said, you know, yourself trying to feel like everything you're doing is selling yourself. It's not an uncommon problem with artists at all. So what are some of the things that help you to overcome that fear? I don't think I've overcome the fear <laughs> yet. <laughs> I just try to. <laughs> okay, you're a sweetheart. I... Okay, good. Okay, I'm fine. Um, so what makes you then from day to day overcome those that barrier and still persist? I just push myself to do the things I find hard because I know there's something behind the fear, there's a reward, and I will get better with my art and I will reach more people with it if I do everything I can as best I can. Yeah, absolutely. Did winning the contest help your certainty or, or your feeling like you were good enough? When you, when you won the contest, were flown out, received the award on stage, got all that, all that recognition from fellow artists as well as the judges? To some degree, yes. But at the same time, I, was, I felt more like I was there to learn from everyone, even my, my art mates, than anything else. Okay. Yeah, because it's quite often, especially when I, when I interview uh, authors, they, a common thing is they feel like they're an imposter. You know, they come out there and they think they've done something and say, I'm an imposter, I'm a fake, I'm not really somebody, you know, worth this stuff here. And, and it's, um, it's really, really common. So I was just wanted to find out from you also as an artist, because your art is that good. You're a winner. You know, there were, you were a winner amongst thousands of people who submitted. So obviously you, you can, you can paint, you can illustrate, you know, you can do these things of such a, a, a degree that, you know, people will want to get it and, and pay for it. So again, because the fact I know that so many artists can be very introverted or very shy, or it's not good enough, or you're talking about this one, this one quote, which I think is really apt on trying to be, make it perfect, you know, and that that's not the right objective to go for. So I just want to pick apart this aspect for yourself a bit more on, on how you overcome it. Is it, is it the purpose or the drive to do art that is senior to the whole thing? Or is that if I don't get that next paint, all my kids are going to go starving or, <laughs> or what is it? <laughs> um, well, since I'm someone who almost gave up on art, I must say that the drive to create is very important to me because at some point I realize I'm unhappy if I don't do it. And it makes me even happier if I share it with others and they enjoy it too. For, for example, I, I will never forget when Rebecca saw the, the piece for Tsutsukas Basuremase and her reaction was, I, I don't know, it was like, I, I really felt I had done a good job there. Well, you did. It was an absolutely beautiful piece of art. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was, hers was a good reaction. It's interesting, almost all the, all the writers have similar reactions when they see that someone else captured their story. Yeah, it's funny seeing because writers who can't illustrate nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, when they see an illustration for their story, there's like, 
it, it's such a, an amazing moment for them, very emotional. But you turn it around, you find an illustrator who can't write, you know, like these, to tell a whole story in with words. You can tell a great story with imagery. You know, what you, what you did with your painting there with, with Rebecca's uh, story, it, it absolutely is illustration. It absolutely told that story. But the writer can't do that. How do they do that? How do they know to pick that particular scene or that, you know, that aspect and convey the emotion in, in the, in the uh, face? You see, that in either way, the writer is just absolutely astounded with what the illustrator can do. And the illustrator is, is amazingly in awe over what the writer can do. It's funny how it goes both ways because you're both equally as, as impressed with the other person. So on your illustrations, I think it's something that people need to understand, you know, like I said, what drives you to do this stuff? And like you're saying, it's like you're not happy when you don't illustrate because that's also a commonality when I've talked to a lot of artists. So how do you fit in illustration? Because you're, you're a mom, right? Yeah. How many children? One. You have one child. And so how do you do your art around also being a mother and, and obviously then having to take care of the household? So people aren't seeing the look on your face that you just did there, but it was quite a, a look on your face that you just gave as I asked you that question. So tra transfer that into some words, please. Well, basically, art goes after my <laughs> child. <laughs> yeah, I don't have long chunks of time to be painting. So it's sometimes it's really hard because for me, it takes time to focus and get into the painting. And yeah, I would love to have like four or five hours every day to be painting, but I just can't. So I just if I'm working on something digital, I just leave the the computer on and whenever I can, I run upstairs to my studio and do something. And when my doctor calls me, I just go to her. I get it. Yeah. Now your, your husband who I met uh, briefly when he came out also to see you receive your award, which was, was really nice and a, a great photo with you with him in front of, uh, that mammoth elephant that was yeah. in that was in front of the event hall. So does he also help you come up with time if you need to make a deadline where he'll then help handle your child while you do the uh, make a deadline in the evening or something like that? Yeah, sure. When he comes from work, he he tries to play with her and and even he takes her out of the house if if she's very noisy that day. So mm -hmm. yeah, he, he's very helpful and oh, he that's... supports me a lot. That's good. I think that's important. Now, one thing too, that comes up with, um, with artists, both artists and, and authors, both, but on the subject of social media, because you say it's kind of hard on that, but it's also, you've got all kinds of people on social media. You've got the good, the bad, the ugly. And <laughs> So you have people that go, oh, my God, that's beautiful. I love that art that you just did. This is really amazing. And those are great. But then you also have the people that say, I sure hope you didn't give up your day job. And, you know, other other comments that are disheartening. So how do you deal with that? Or has it been a problem? So far, it hasn't been a problem for me. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. But I don't really have a big following, but I, I don't know. I just... I have something like that, it will probably affect me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. Have you had, have you had, yeah. Have you had instances where you've either overheard somebody saying something derogatory or I'm just, I'm pressing this a little bit just because I know that other people will use that as a reason to stop creating art. And I'm really trying to discourage people from quitting art the easiest person or the most common person to make nothing of other person's art is someone who can't do it. You know, they themselves are just can't. So they're going to make sure that anybody who can suffers that misery they feel from not being able to create art. So I just want to make sure that we address, you know, not being all negative here, but just how you would handle or how you have handled. If there's been instances of that where someone's made, you've either overheard somebody saying something 
disparaging or invalidative in how you've overcome that? Yeah, I've received some harsh feedback sometimes, for example, in college. But more recently, for with my illustrations, I received some feedback from from another illustrator uh, that he said that that I had problems with color, that I didn't know how to use color because I was used instead of using limited palettes, I used a lot of color in some of my illustrations. And that really hurt. It, I've been very insecure with color since then. I think I'm starting to overcome it now. But mm -hmm. for a while, I did a lot of monochrome illustration or worked from a grayscale illustration to build color over it. One person that, I don't know, like you said, you're one of your um, people you really enjoyed meeting was Larry Elmore. He has his own story too about color, you know. And have you maintained a relationship with him? Have you, because he's totally fine on your emailing him and and continuing that because he's he's just so impressed with all the winners every year. And he's just he's just at this point now, it's a must do thing for him to come to the uh, to the workshop and teach and meet these new artists. Have you maintained a relation a calm with him a communication? No, not really. I. I don't know. I didn't dare to write to any of the of the instructors, even if I wanted to. So. No, you absolutely but, should. He 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 really enjoys this, uh, and considers it one of his highlights uh, every year, meeting the winners. So, yeah, he's um, really he's really nice, and he gives a lot of of advice and comments on on your does. art if you if you show him. Yeah, no, it's like um, Ciarello. And I mean, Ciarello helped him, you know, when he was in Down in the Dumps on some of his things that he was doing, even though he was one of the most famous artists out there from what he did with Dungeons and Dragons, he was still feeling like, oh, no, I, I can't, I can't paint. I'm not good enough. You think somebody like him thinking that after 40 years, you know, it's just, you're, you're kidding me. But yeah. he still, he still, you know, had that. And, um, but it was Cirello, his, his friendship with Cirello that helped him to overcome that and, and to persist. But that's something, too, that they're there for you as a, as a winner. And that's one of the, the perks of being a winner is that you've got a relationship with these judges who totally want to help you with your career. So that's just something I just wanted to – I'll follow up after this as well to, to connect you guys back up again. But it's um, – I mean, when I look at, at people who are working and trying and – you're, you're definitely having success as you continue to build your, your career that when someone else comes up and, and says something that like invalidates or makes you like, Oh no, I can't do this. There's something wrong with that picture. Not just, not your color. It's just the fact that somebody's is giving you something, a criticism that makes you want to stop the nature of that criticism is not helpful. Because criticism shouldn't make you want to stop. It should make you want to get, okay, I can do that. I can get better. I think it's something that artists in general need to, to know. So can you talk about that a little bit? I'd say that if a criticism isn't specific about what's wrong with your picture and, and you can't really work on, on it to improve it, you shouldn't really pay attention to it because it, it, it probably... The author's purpose was to hurt you, and that doesn't really deserve your attention. Good. That's exactly the, the point, but it's also important that when you're, there's an adage, when you're up to your neck in alligators, <laughs> it's hard to remember that your original purpose was to drain the swamp, you know, so that may or may not translate well for you <laughs> in Spain, but if you're trying to create this painting and someone's coming in and giving you these little comments that don't help you can you can easily get distracted to these alligators that are chomping at you instead of you're trying to create this beautiful painting so i think it's important like going back to an earlier comment you made like you have to paint you have to do your art and one's purpose is senior to the whole aspect of what you're doing there, your purpose to create beautiful art 
or just to create art. Maybe it's, it doesn't have to be beautiful. It has to be just, you want to create your art because maybe you want to tell a story. Maybe you want to, and that story isn't a pretty story, but it's a story you want to tell. Whatever it is, you have to do your art and that purpose is senior and people have to keep that in mind no matter what. So you said there's a point where you almost gave up. Can you talk about that and what made you overcome that? Yeah, it, it was uh, when I finished college, I was very discouraged because of what I commented before about uh, people not really valuing illustration in, in college. Mm -hmm. So I just uh, found a job that didn't have to do with art, not even graphic design, and barely draw for, for a long time. I, have, I had ups and downs. I went back to drawing and sometimes, other times I, I wouldn't. But uh, after I tried several times and to find something related to art as a job, but I didn't have much luck. I didn't really know much about the business, about having a, a good portfolio, which mm -hmm. as we have seen is very important. And yeah, I kind of thought it, it was just something I couldn't do. But when I started dating my husband and he, he started to encourage me, and so did my mother. She she never stopped really, but I didn't pay attention to her. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband and boyfriend started giving me uh, gifts uh, for my birthday and Christmas and everything related to art. So I could keep practicing and create new things and improve. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and all that encouraged me the feeling so so supportive and I started taking courses and just it just was what I needed like the spark to start Good. the fire again. Yeah. I think it's important that people have your your close circle of, of friends. In this case your you know you have your mom and your and your husband now and probably others as well. But it's important to have to not have toxic friends they're uh, by the very nature of it. They're not friends. If they're toxic, those, that's yes. those two words don't fit together. Um, it's important that needs that someone needs to, uh, if you do have people that are toxic in your environment to cut those lines and not have them. And if you're in an unfortunate position of, of working somewhere where your boss or, or fellow uh, workers are toxic to um, decide how much do you really want to do your art um, is it worth taking what they say and how they operate in exchange for giving up your your own purpose in your in your life as an artist? And definitely consider, you know, changing environments so that you can actually have that. Creatives are 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 constantly being the life sucked out of them, you know, by these toxic people. You know, they're willing to to totally make nothing of you and and to invalidate. So do you have any particular um, thing that you do that constantly keeps you, or do you, or do you also have other people that you're in touch with that you help them to encourage them with their art? Uh, yeah, I have a couple of friends from college uh, and we, we share each other's art and comment on, on it. But I am also part of a couple Discord channels where we, we talk about the business and also provide feedback, not only on illustration, but everything that has to do with the world of illustration. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Now, one thing that I've, has come up many times when I've talked to other artists is being art directed by Echo. She's amazing. She is just absolutely brilliant as an artist. So what was that like being art directed by her? Well, I, I really liked uh, her approach, uh, how she asked for my preferred sketch and gave a lot of freedom. But at the same time, she also gave feedback when, when needed and in a really nice way. No, she wasn't too hard or too demanding, you mm -hmm. know. And, and 
this really shows that she's a really very experienced artist her herself. Yeah. Uh, because she understands what's going through the artist's minds and she knows how to treat it, how to treat us. Yeah, she's um, just truly an amazing artist in all forms of art. She's just, she's, she's really an amazing, an amazing person. So did you learn anything from her just in general on, on creating art? Oh, I think I learned a lot of things, but I just can't think of one. Okay. And no, I, and it was uh, after being repeated a lot of times that you have to have a style and focus on something. When you see her portfolio, you see that you can do many different things and still be a successful illustrator. That I think that's something important to to bear in mind. Yeah, yeah. So now, a lot of people listening to this are aspiring artists or would like to do art and are, or create art and are just don't know the, what to do to be able to get themselves off the launching pad. What advice do you have for the aspiring artist or someone who would like to at least move in that direction of, of being an artist? Well, to practice a lot, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. to have a lot of patience and be constant. And, and they shouldn't only focus on improving their art. They should learn about their business as soon as possible because it's very helpful. You can be worse uh, in technically than another illustrator, but if you are able to communicate, you are easy to work with. And in, in general, you're a nice person. It's, it's more likely to get good jobs. Good, that's something that gets also taught too, is like if you have a choice, if you're an art director, or an editor, or a publisher, or any of those types of things, and you're having to hire an artist or a writer, you have a lot of skill out there. But if you have somebody who's nice, easy to work with, makes deadlines, or someone who's antagonistic or doesn't make deadlines, who are you going to choose? It's pretty obvious you're going to choose someone who's nice, who makes deadlines, you know, who you can talk to. And so that's definitely a good piece of advice for me on that. Anything else that you'd give for the aspiring artist? I know some people have said, learn anatomy. I, I know that Larry Elmore talks about definitely knowing anatomy. If you're going to like do people, all the different pieces, pieces of art. He talked about how some said, oh yeah, you did that, didn't you? Yeah, because your rocks always look the same. And Larry went, what? <laughs> yeah, your rocks always look the same. And so he spent days studying rocks until he could actually do rocks you know, that look like rocks. So anything from you on, the, on as regards that on the different aspects of illustration? I'd say if you want to paint uh, somewhat realistically, drawing from life is very good. It doesn't need to have, uh, it doesn't need to be characters. You can paint a landscape or whatever you want to focus on. But yeah, life drawing teaches a lot. It's different than drawing from a photography. Right. One of the things you did at the workshop, you had we had those that one evening where you had the life drawings, where you had these people come in and they posed for what, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and twenty minutes. Were you able to do those different sketches? What was that like? Oh, it was amazing because that's what I really miss from college. We used to do life growing with new nude models. And I really, really enjoyed the, the costumes because it's, yeah. it was very different. Yeah. I wish I could do that more often. <laughs> yes. Get your daughter. <laughs> Buy her lots of different outfits. She wants hold the same <laughs> position for one minute. So it's really hard. Yeah, you get to practice your 30 second life drawings. <laughs> So what's been the most rewarding aspect to your career as an illustrator? I think I've talked about that is when people truly enjoy what I created, it, it, then I can see and feel I've done a good job. Like mm -hmm. seeing, like seeing Rebecca's reaction, I mentioned that. But that's really the best example I can give. Or for example, I, I made a, a commission once of a little ink drawing that the the one who received it loved it and he got it tattooed on his arm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's great. 
That's really, really yeah. nice. That's a good validation to you as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. So now on on your art or what what do you plan on doing in, in the future? Because you said you're gonna be going to Bologna, yeah. which is obviously children's books. I want to go to Bologna to to meet people related to more to teen and young adult markets because that's where I see my art. But if it can be fairy tales and fantasy art, it, it will be better <laughs> for me because that's what I really love. And yeah, basically um, I go there and try to make connections and keep writing to publishing houses and game companies too. That's something I'm writing to, fantasy and science fiction magazines. But yeah, I don't know where the future lies, but just where I want to go and I hope to get. Yeah, I think that's um, that's that's fair enough. You know where you want to be able to to take it, but like what you want to be able to to um, focus on. I know that several of our past winners, and hopefully you're still in, you know, staying in communication with some of the other winners, have gone on to go into gaming. Uh, they've gone into movies. You know. Um, storyboards, all kinds of aspects of art. There's so many different aspects of art that someone who's good can actually move into. Mm-hmm. And now there's so many movies being made right now with, with Netflix and with Apple and that a person can use their art skills to be able to help on the storyboarding for movies or creating with set design and that type of stuff where several, many of our judges do that, but also other winners have gone in to do that as well as uh, video games and that whole thing there, of which fantasy is a big part in video games. So where can someone find you online? Well, the best way is through my website, nataliasalvador.es. And there you can find links to my social media. And you can also join my newsletter that I launched last, last month. Oh, good. And receive monthly updates on what I'm doing. Oh, that'd be great. Good. So um, this has been great. And I think it's important that people who are listening to this pay attention to what you just talked about here and, and the, the importance of really holding true to your own dream in that it's good that you had good people in your life that helped you get back onto the path of your dream after you went off of that after college. It's unfortunate that, unfortunately, that is the effect that college has on some people. You know, it's just you have to do it this way and anything other than this is not valid and that's just not true and uh it's unfortunate but anyway so hopefully what you've had to say will be encouraging and and save a few more artists because what we definitely need is is um more art in this world and uh, like mr hubbard said even in um writers of future the artists is counted on to to create that future that we're all looking forward to so thank you very much it's been great being able to talk with you and thank you for listening Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. Writers of the Future series can be purchased wherever books are sold in the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia, and South Africa, and available everywhere via Amazon.com. We are especially appreciative of our sponsor, Carnation, for supporting this podcast. Carnation has been making delicious milk products for over a century and is still going strong. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by L. Ron Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Natalia. Thank you.